All right, my happy enders. It is another week. Another week is done. We are plugging along, getting the fuck through January. Anybody else still writing 2019 or 2018 on their checks? Anybody else still fucking writing checks? Um... Alright, so same sponsors. If anybody else wants to sponsor us, um, anything, we would totally appreciate that. You can contact me at joyshappyendings at gmail.com. Joyshappyendings at gmail.com. Fuck that shit. Um, also, you can get a hold of our Instagram, Twitter, uh, anything like that. It would be really, really appreciated. Um, like I said, same sponsors. We have Blue Apron. Uh, Blue Apron is super awesome. I don't know about you, but fuck right now. Fuck life right now. I have no time to breathe, let alone cook or go grocery shopping. So Blue Apron actually does that shit for you. They don't breathe for you. Like, there's no CPR, but they do go shopping for you. They send you recipes, so you don't even have to fucking think about what's for dinner. You just look at the thing, go, okay, this is what I'm making, and then all the ingredients are right there. It is amazing. Um... BlueApron.com, they are giving you a special if you go to BlueApron.com slash happyendings, which is B-L-U-E-A-P-R-O-N dot C-O-M slash H-A-P-P-Y-E-N-D-I-N-G-S. You get 30% off your first box, so fucking try it. It's awesome. Famous Smoke Shop. Um, I'm not a smoker, but I'm actually thinking about taking it in. Most likely, I'll just start sucking on cigars like dicks, but hey, whatever. Um, Famous Smoke Shop, you can get cigars um, they're very good cigars. It's a very awesome. I don't know how many times have I fucking said very. Um, it's a really cool website and um, they have premium cigars. And if you use promo code HOT20, which is HOT20, you get $20 off your purchase of $145 or more. Or HOT10, which is HOT10, you get $10 off a purchase of $85 or more. So go fucking check it out. Uh, Handy app is a super awesome app. It's a one-stop app for all of your needs, your home needs. So if you need cleaning, pool service, building shit, um, anything like that, they also will not help you breathe. But um, happy, Handy app, not happy app. Happy app would be something completely different. Handy, well, Handy app sounds pretty bad too. But no, they're not. They're awesome. They will come clean your house. They'll clean your pool. They'll build stuff that you need. They will do simple handyman services like if you decided to marry a millennial who doesn't know how to do shit you can do that or i mean they might know how to do shit but who cares if you don't want to do shit if you want to go carry around a tuba case and twirl your mustache instead of putting up the ceiling fan handy app has you saved which is and if you use promo code app save 30 which is a p p s a v e 30 you get 30 percent off your first booking uh, shoe Dazzle, haha, <laughs> we know how I fucking love shoes. Shoes are the only thing that I actually do want to wear all day. Um, shoe Dazzle is really awesome because you take a quiz, the quiz decides what your likes and dislikes are, and upon the quiz, they send you shoes every month. A subscription shoe service. So you get your food in the box, you get your shoes in the box, it's all delivered to you. Just don't get them mixed up because wearing a steak on your feet would be really weird. But hey, do what you want to do. And if you go and use promo code Happy Shoes, which is H-A-P-P-Y-S-H-O-E-S, you get $10 off your first box. So that's fucking awesome. Or $10 for your first box. 
uh, Dollar Days. Dollar Days is a one-stop, and then we have Handy App, now we have Dollar Days. It's a one-stop app or website where you go on and you can get all your shit stuff in bulk where it's shampoo, conditioner. You just go and look, and there's so much stuff on Dollar Days. It is so amazing what you can buy on that website in bulk, and you just have it. Like I said last time, if you decided to adopt an orphanage, you can get them shampoo, the little dirty little fuckers. Um... Dollar Days gave us two promo codes, Happy Endings 20, which is H-A-P-P-Y-E-N-D-I-N-G-S 2-0. You get $20 off your purchase of $200 or more. Or Happy Ending Ship, which is H-A-P-P-Y-E-N-D-I-N-G-S-S-H-I-P. You get a flat rate of $9.95 for shipping. Um, this week's episode is Benji Aflalo. I adore Benji. I see him at the store all the time, and he's kind of intimidating to me, but he was super awesomely nice, and this was a really fun one. He, at first, was very hesitant to get a massage because that's not his thing, but he was nice enough to actually come and do the podcast, so I hope you guys enjoy. It was really hard for me to come up and ask you if you wanted to do it. Oh, okay. I was like, don't yell at me. I don't yell at anybody. <laughs> okay, she I'm going to take a picture. Everyone's going to yell at her? Yes, and I always think everybody hates me. And this is yours. It'll go straight into the washer so you can... What do you mean straight into the washer? You can put tears on it, snot on it. Oh, okay. No, I just didn't want to look all snotty-eyed in the photo. <laughs> no, you look adorable. Okay, one, two, three. Okay, I'll find your other eye. There we go. One, two, three. All right. Okay, so... You haven't had a massage like this before. I've had a massage before, but I just, I don't really do this. Okay, well then thank you for doing this. Oh yeah, no problem. And you can always tell me if you don't like something, something's too much pressure, not enough pressure, you're not going to hurt my feelings until later when you leave and then I cry. Mm-hmm. So. No, I'm not a complainer. Get undressed, get under the sheets. Ooh, you're in for a treat. No, I promise this is not a dream. It's just a happy ending with Joy Eileen. Okay, so on the table today, we have Benji Aflalo. I said your last name right, right? Yes. Okay, because I screwed up Annie Letterman's and I screwed up Cynthia Levin's, so... (laughs) I'm kind of hesitant when I say last names now. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. We only get to hear what the person that's in bringing you up on stage calls you. That is true. And a lot of them fuck it up, so. <laughs> now, when do you, you said you get, like, the chair massages. Like, how, when are you desperate enough to go get those? Um, I have, like, a somewhat sensitive upper body because I had this year where I separated my shoulder and I got whiplash. Okay. And so since then, every once in a while, like, my right shoulder blade up to neck area will like get really messed up. Right. But I usually do Bikram once things are really bad. Okay. And I prefer that. So, but if things are so bad, even that doesn't work, then I'll go do a chair massage. Okay. Do you go in the mall? Yeah. No, I go to, it's, it looks like shady. It's actually right over here on La Brea and Sunset. It's called like something foot spa where like the El Pollo Loco is in the Wendy's upstairs there. Okay. Oh, yeah, because Next Stage is around there. Well, it used to be around there. Next Stage isn't there. That used to be a good open mic. And then it died. So how did you get Whiplash? I was um, driving to a friend's house. I was around Fairfax and Olympic, and this girl hit me so hard, um, and, it, and she kind of, like, hit me twice because 
she rear-ended me, then her airbag went out and she lost control of her car, and then she rear-ended me again. So it was really gnarly. And then she gets out of the car, and I'm pretty sure she was drunk. Um, she was, it was like nighttime, it was probably like 10 p.m. She's in a bikini and like a robe. <laughs> but she was like pretty, and I felt bad, and I was like... Was it Cassandra? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what am I going to do, like call the cops? Like I knew she was drunk, but I, I didn't realize I was hurt yet. Yeah, it um, takes a while. Yeah, and so the next day I was hurt, and then I was like, I should have, I, but it's like, it's too late, and then I don't even know if insurance ended up paying for my physical therapy or not and stuff, but. Yeah, um, it's amazing, because people will come in the chiropractor's office, and they'll just be like, I just got hit, but I feel fine, and I'm like, oh, you need to go home and ice. <laughs> yeah. And the next day they'll call me or text me, and they're like, Joy, fix me. Okay, I told you. Yeah. Because you have that adrenaline surge, and then you don't realize... It's almost like when you first work out after a while. Mm-hmm. The next day, you're like, ah, eh, whatever, I'm cool. But then the day after, you're like, oh, shit, I have muscles, and they hurt. Yeah, so I got pretty messed up. How long ago was that? Um, maybe like three, four years ago. Okay. But now it's pretty still... It's I think it's mostly from the separated shoulder, because I don't think that ligament ever fully healed. Yeah, it takes a really long time for ligaments to heal. Yeah, so I think that's just going to be a little messed up forever, but... Yeah, ligaments and tendons, they don't have a readily blood supply to them. Like, muscles heal faster because they're filled with capillaries, and they heal faster because you can have the blood supply. Mm-hmm. But ligaments and tendons I mean just like when you eat like a chicken or something you see those and they're bright white they're like that glistening white it's because there's no blood flow to them Mm -hmm. so because of that it takes a lot longer and I'm dorking out so we're gonna go back to you okay (laughs) have you ever broken anything like anything good any good stories any good hospital stories I have a I have a good amount I just fell off a bird scooter and ended up in a hospital I, when I separated my shoulder, that was pretty rough. I've broken, I think, three toes. One time, the break in my toe was so bad, I had to have a cast up to my knee. Ooh. Um, that's pretty much it. I kind of hurt myself skiing once, but I was always pretty um, mild-mannered, even as a kid, so I didn't hurt myself that much. Like, I have a brother who was broken bone city and got electrocuted and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Okay, when we were waiting for you outside, I told Emily, I'm like, I have a feeling he's going to come up on, like, a scooter. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm pretty careful about those now. I wouldn't get on one in the rain or for fun. Now, how many brothers? Do you have brothers and sisters? Just brothers? I'm the youngest of five, and there's, I have two brothers and two sisters. Nice. The young, oh, you're the baby. Yeah. Is that why... Do you think that's why you went into, like, comedy? Um, I don't know. I know that's what we're sort of, like, they say if you're the youngest, you're more likely to be a performer or need that attention. Um, I don't know why. I'm sure it has something to do with that, but I don't know if I ever felt like they thought I was funny, but I think there might be something to, um, like, if you, you are the youngest of a bunch of kids, you're almost raised by children as much as adults, just in terms of what you mimic and the behavior you see, so maybe that has something to do with it, but I don't know. Yeah, because my youngest, he's he sparkles. I'm trying to make him gay. I don't know if it's going to work or not. You're trying to not make him gay? No, I'm trying to make him gay. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I have three boys. and one, I mean. You have yeah. three boys? Yeah. Wow, how old are they? 18, 12, and almost 8. Wow. I'm like, come on, at least one of them. <laughs> and if I could choose, it would be the youngest one because he's going to, one day he's going to listen to these podcasts and he's not going to be gay. He's like, yeah, Mom, you tried hard. <laughs> so, 
so okay, the separated shoulder, you can feel it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm you sure. can feel where the muscles are connected, not connected differently, but they're working differently. Yeah, cuz it has to hold the muscles surrounding it have to hold it in place cuz the ligaments weak. Yeah, they'll start compensating for Yeah, it. so that's why the pain isn't usually in my shoulder when it hurts. It's like around it somewhere. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. But I've gotten really good at dealing with it on my own and I do yoga when I can and that helps and I sort of know how to repair myself so that's why I don't do too many massages yeah that was actually going to be my next question like what else do you do for your body because you travel a lot too right um I just try to go to the gym usually I have a trainer sometimes and then but I'll just go to the gym and I kind of go easy sometimes I do like a a high intensity interval training class Mm -hmm. um but yeah I'll do a class here and there but I only just do this one I kind of get stuck on one thing so there's one sort of I wouldn't call it CrossFit. I guess, yeah, you'd call it high-intensity interval training. Yeah, like the circuit training. Hit, yeah, circuit mm-hmm. training. I do that class sometimes, but it's a lot of cardio, and I'm lazy, so usually I just smoke weed and go to the gym and take it easy. Do you even do anything? Just go to the gym, and you're like, hi. I, I do. I get, like, stoned and have an energy drink, and then you're just all, like, messy-headed, like, listening to Rage Against the Machine, working out, <laughs> and I don't put too much pressure on myself. So if I'm only in there for, like, a half hour, I'm like, all right, I'm bored, I'm leaving. So That's right. I don't, like, tr- try too hard. Rage Against the Machine is one of my workouts too. I know it doesn't look like it, but I do work out. Yeah, I like workout music. Yes. that. But it's funny though, I get on a song and I will like do the whole hour workout to one song. Just repeat, repeat. Oh really? Yeah. I can't do that. Maybe I'll repeat it twice, but I usually just have a mix that I'm like, because I usually listen to sad like music. So I have to always have specific mixes where it's like, all right, snap out of it, man. So usually I'll have like a snap out of it, like morning slash workout mix that I'm listening to just to like deviate. Now, do you get obsessive about things? Like, is that your personality or what type of personality do you have? Are you more of like a compartmentalization guy? Um, I don't know. I think I can get obsessive over things. Uh, but yeah, it just sort of depends. I'm pretty obsessed with comedy right now. And then if I have a project that I'm into, I can get obsessed. But also at the same time, I'm not... I'm not like a, I'm not like the best hustler. I'm not someone who's always working on three different things and like, you know, I'm one of the few people now who doesn't have a podcast. So I'm not like a spinner of many plates, but when I decide to work on something, I do get obsessed and do my best. Have people tried to get you to do podcasts? I don't think that's how the world works. I don't think people walk up to you and they're like, you, the world needs more podcasts and it's on you. <laughs> Some of them do. Like, no. That's kind of how this one started. It was like, Joy, this is funny, because, you know, I've been massaging for 11 years at the chiropractor's office, and I would just talk to my patients, because I am not professional at all, mm-hmm. and they're, you know, we would be laughing, sometimes we'd be crying, I mean, it just depended on what the day was, and they're like, you should really record this, and then I was trying to get in with comedians to be like, hey, look, I do comedy, hi, and so I kind of converged the two. My lack of being funny even proves the answer to my question because I'm literally one thing at a time. <laughs> I like, uh, I've seen you stretch on stage. Yeah. Before. Is that planned before you get up or is it your way of showing? I don't know. I, I'm just, I feel comfortable on stage but never comfortable enough to be able to do something like that. Um, well, a lot of the way I approach stand up, which might not be the best, is almost like a defense mechanism. So, like, I complain a lot on stage, or if I'm sore often, so I try to have material based off whatever's on my mind, or at least be comfortable, so in that 
space. So if I'm sore on stage, like I often am, or if I have a sore throat, like I always do, like I'm going to talk about it just because I want to be comfortable talking about whatever I'm dealing with. That way it doesn't distract me. So whatever thoughts will just pop up in my head in my life, I try to make sure that when they pop up on my head on stage, I sort of have something to say. That way I don't. There was a chick on stage, girl, woman, female, sorry, I don't know, chick is always my go-to word, I probably should stop that, but there was a girl on stage on Saturday, and she pulled her pants down, like, under her her muffin top, and she lifted her shirt up, and that just, like, spilled out over her belt line, and I was delivering chicken tenders, and I almost dropped them, I was like, oh my god, and she's like, yeah, look at me, and I'm like, I could never do that on stage, so. I think that's the fun thing about the comedy store, being able to see all of the different types of comedy, because... Where I'm from, I like I saw comedy back home, and it was people telling stories or people shouting, and that was about it. But here, there's so many different ways of doing everything. It's amazing. And did you feel that way when you first went to the store? How? When did you get there? I think I got there. Um, I think I started working there in 2008. But I started doing, like, bringer shows there, I think, in around 2007, 2006. Who passed you? Tommy Morris, Tommy. yeah. Nice. So you were before the reign of Adam. Yeah, but Adam's been really good to me, and he's doing a good job. Um, but, yeah, it was very different when I first got there. It wasn't like it is now. How so? Well, now it's, like, sold out all the time. When I was working there, it was never like that. The, the way now, there could be three or five sold-out shows a night. It'd be more like one empty show in the whole place. Um... Yeah, it was just it was just weird, but it was really fun because it was it was almost alternative in its own way because nobody was there and nothing felt like it mattered. So it was really fun, and we yeah we were like more wild. Right. Does it feel a lot more high stakes, or do you keep the same attitude that you developed during the quieter days? I think the way I developed there definitely shaped my comedy because when we would do like the potluck show where everyone goes up. Um, there wasn't always people there, or it was weird, it was eight people, and then there was five, and then maybe, like, but now it's like a real crowd all the time, so you couldn't go on stage, or if you went on stage and just, like, did your best material in front of five people and bombed, you would sort of look like an idiot, and so, or not an idiot, but that's why it was, like, a tougher room then, because you had to know how to just deal with a really difficult circumstance, especially in a show with 16 comics. If you're going up 10th in front of an eight-person audience, it's it's really weird. So if you go up there and just phone it in, you're going to bomb. So I think back then with no audience, at, at least for me, I sort of, like I was saying earlier, I feel a lot of my stage persona is sort of like a defense mechanism to not letting people know that they have control over me, if that makes sense. Right. Now, besides doing yoga, like, do you have a favorite place like to go vacationing or get away or do you like getting away not really i'm not really a vacation person um i think i can enjoy a vacation for like two three nights but people who like go away for weeks or anything like that i'm just or like can sit on a beach for more than a day <laughs> I, I can't do that but I, I do like traveling but i don't think it's my you know you look at social media everyone really champions it and tries to make it what they're about traveling but i'm i don't think i mean i like traveling for work and I like that process. I do like traveling, but leisure travel and stuff isn't really my thing. Where's your favorite place to go and do out of L.A.? 
um, to just not if I if I were to go somewhere, uh-huh. it'd probably just be someplace new that I haven't been. There's a lot of Europe I haven't seen. I haven't been to Australia. A lot of South America I haven't seen. I haven't been to Japan or China. So it would just be someplace new that I feel like I should see out of guilt. Right. <laughs> okay, I get that. I get that more than I should. <laughs> so, is there a place like? Is there a place you really want to do comedy? Like, do you have like one of those goals where you're like, I want to do comedy here? Uh, not really. I don't really have those kind of goals. I don't think like the venue in which you perform is something you really take with you. If if I get just more opportunities to headline and practice and then have a special, I feel like that's more what I'm after. I'm not like looking for notches on my belt that don't actually exist once you walk away from them. Okay, I get that. So a special, is that like your next goal, or what are you working on right now? Like, what's, where are you going towards? Well, I'm, I'm headlining for the first time this year, so I'm really excited about that. So I just want to get good at headlining, and thanks. And so I just want to be really good at comedy and do my best, and yeah, hopefully have a special one day. Nice. Now what else do you like to do besides comedy? Do you write? Do you read? Uh, I don't really like much, unfortunately. I go to the gym, I smoke weed, I eat food, I watch comedy, I do comedy when I can. Um, I will read sometimes, but I'm definitely not an avid reader. I read the news every day, though. I'm pretty good about that, so I'm full of a bunch of dumb facts. And then, huh, anything else? Not really. Nothing comes to mind. I like baseball. Okay. Yeah. I was just thinking, okay, if you're on a dating... Oh, and I really like music, and I play guitar. There's that. There is that. Okay, that works. I was going to say, if you're, like, on a dating show, and they're like, today we have contestant one, Benji. He likes to watch comedy. So what kind of music do you like? You said sad music, right? I like guitars a lot, so usually music that has guitars in it I'll lean towards. Um, but, yeah, I do like I do like like sad music, too. And But I like, I like a lot of psych rock, too, sort of like psychedelic stuff, uh-huh. but, like, modern psych a little different than like what I think most people would think psych is from like the 60s or something but right. um but yeah I really do like that but I haven't been playing much guitar lately because I hurt my finger in that scooter so but it's just starting to feel better and I'm starting to play again now what's your favorite band do you have a favorite band um it's hard to say I think I really like the 90s grunge era a lot so Soundgarden Alice in Chains Nirvana a lot of that really stuck with me I really like Jeff Buckley Elliot Smith Beck, I'm really into Beck. Cake, I love cake. I was just listening to cake on the way here. <laughs> I love cake. It's funny. Um, I like else? cake in both ways. Mm-hmm. The band and the food. <laughs> yeah, I like I like desserts as well. That's another thing I like. That makes me sad when skinny people are like, I like sugar. I'm like, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? So you guys are all small. I'm like, I like sugar, but it likes me more. It sticks with me. It doesn't abandon me. Well, I have to. You have to moderate. I know. <laughs> I, like how, I like how dryly he says that. Listen, bitch. Moderate. That's no fun. Yeah, but I can go to town on dessert, so I have to watch it. What's your favorite dessert? I think I generally like when it's like hot and cold. So like a brownie sundae or. Like something on the road. Yeah. I'm a pie girl person. Like when I get stressed out or when life gets to me, I want pie. <laughs> yeah, I like pie. I like cobblers. Uh huh. And it's so funny because like my husband knows. He's like, "Hey, I'm coming home. Do you need me to stop by?" And I'm like, "I need a pie." And he's like, "Oh shit, I don't want to come home." <laughs> like I don't blame you. I like pie. Now, are you close to any of your siblings or all of them? Or I think so because I'm from here. So I think. 
I'm probably closer with my family than most people are. Okay. I have like five nieces and nephews and grandparents and mom and dad. So when you live in the town you grew up in, there's always a birthday party for someone or a holiday or this or that. So yeah. I end up seeing them a lot. You don't have to worry about a plane ticket. Right, so. right. And you also have an easy escape too. Yeah, I'm going to go home now. And you can't just be like... Oh, oh yeah, no, I wouldn't want to be with my family for like days on days like people yeah. do. <laughs> That's not a good idea. Now, do you have, like, a favorite story, like, doing comedy? I have so many stories. What do you mean? But do you have, like, the one that you want to tell people? I have a recent story that I've been wanting to tell. I had to do a, a benefit for, um, like, blind, like, a blind foundation kind of thing. And it was at the Bel Air Country Club, which is really fancy, so I think... One of the managers at the store referred me because he's just like, oh, Benji will put on a suit and be respectable. And I knew it was going to be tough because I just knew it. Because they can't see the jokes coming? No. It wasn't even that. There were some some blind people there, but it's just, I just knew it was going to be tough. So then I didn't get a script, so I didn't really know what I was doing. And they were like, we'll send you a script. We'll send you a script. I didn't get anything until I got there. And then they were like, Oh, and the um, there was, like, a blind guitar... Uh, was he a guitarist? Yeah, it was a blind guitarist. And then they're like, also, the surprise guest is Stevie Wonder. He's going to join him. And I was like, okay. And then and then I basically... It was just... Ri- it's so hard to do stand-up in that situation because no one wants to hear it. And then they had me do stand-up when everyone was still eating, which is usually not a good idea. <laughs> so I started doing stand-up. It's going really, really bad. There's not even a place for me to stand. It's like Bel Air Country Club people not giving a fuck about me at all. And then I'm like kind of starting to do okay. Like they're kind of stopping to eat and listen to me. And then Stevie Wonder walks in. And then Stevie Wonder's blind, so it takes him a while to get to his seat. So now everyone's looking at Stevie. Literally half the people get out of their chairs while I'm doing stand-up to take pictures of Stevie Wonder, who can't see that he's being mobbed by people, obviously. So, like, there's no sense of, like, courtesy when someone's blind and you're taking a photo of them. Like, everyone immediately was, like, five feet from his face. So then I, so then stand-up got derailed again, and then it was just really a tough night for me. And then I mispronounced a blind woman's, uh, like, retinal disease or something. And then she, like, called me out on it, and I'm just in my head, I'm like, they didn't send me a script. I'm like, how am I supposed to know how to pronounce your disease? But it's not her fault. And it's then, not hooked on phonics over here. Yeah, so it was just, it was tough. But everyone was really nice, and even though I did poorly, I think people knew that I didn't have a chance, and they were, they were polite. Do you have, like, a crazy heckler story? So many crazy heckler stories. I've had glasses thrown at me. No. The reason there's security at the store is because of me. There was no security until an incident with me. And uh, three guys, I think it was Adam, Josh Martin, and I think it was a, and a patron had to pull one guy off the stage. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was so scary. There and was, then they got security. What, were you in the OR? Yeah, that was the OR. There was a guy on Kill Tony, ah, I want to say like four or five weeks ago, and he's super creepy. Like, he was tagged creepy before he even got in. Like, he would try and stand in the spot. Like, we stand in the same spot every Monday. And he was standing there, and he would just, like, mumble to himself and start laughing. And I was like, oh, this guy's fucking crazy. So he gets pulled up. And, um, like, you could tell everybody was kind of super uncomfortable. And he's trying to tell jokes. He's just in his own head. 
So security walks in, and I always keep telling the security, I'm like, if you guys need backup, I'm here. I want to help. Let me help. So Asani, the big security guard, he goes, and he's just standing by the stage, just chilling. And the guy starts getting a little weirder. So Asani takes off his jacket, and now I'm pumped. I'm like, oh, we're going to take this guy down. And he looks over at me, and we make eye contact, and I do that finger-to-eye thing back and forth to him. Like, yeah, I'm going to help you. And he starts shaking his head like, no, I, no, don't help me, Joy, please. You're going to make this work. <laughs> Just, I'm going to have to get Joy off the stage before I can get this guy off the stage. So for Christmas, I got a security T-shirt that I'm going to wear tonight. <laughs> the security guys have to be more subtle. Yes. Like one time I, they were, there was like a girl talking and it was like an uncomfortable heckler situation. And then like my set wasn't going good. And then I looked to my right and the security guard's standing to my right intimidating the whole crowd. Yeah. And I'm just yeah. like, well, that's not helping. No. Like, I like having them, but I feel like a lot of the times they don't like asking the booth girls to do much. But I think sometimes having a girl go over and say like, hey, could you guys quiet it down? It's a yeah. easier than... Well, that's why there weren't door guys and stuff going over and doing it. That's why there weren't security guards there for like thirty some years. But people are crazy. I think it's good to have them, but you're right. There need it's, but that's that's the nature of a security guard. They don't know. Yeah. They don't know. It's not their job to lean out and. So it's just what's up. Yeah, but also the door guys sometimes like Feng Chao will go over and be like, "Hey, shut the fuck up," and we're like, "That wasn't helpful." Yeah. But I also think a lot of the security guys too. You get stuck in that comedy store. If you start hanging out at the comedy store, you want to do comedy. Like you start getting that need. Oh, the security guards think they're funny now or something. Yeah, and I know a lot of security guards. Like when I when they first started working there, a couple of them. I'm like, "Hey, are you guys comedians?" And they're like, "No." And then a couple of them in particular, I just saw on their Instagram that they were like, oh, doing comedy tonight in Arizona. I'm like, when the fuck did that happen? Yeah, waitresses do that too. I think everyone gets in and then they show their colors. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I was straight when I first started working there. I was like, hey, I'm a comp. Well, he goes, he actually goes, why do you want to work at the comedy store? And I'm like, because chicken tenders are my life. (laughs) And he's like, you're a comedian. I'm like, yep, yep. You're going to give me stage time? They're all, nope. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> where do I sign? Like, have you seen that though? Like, do a lot of people who hang out with you do that whole "I want to be a comedian" or "Hey, I've got a joke for you"? Or, that I hang out with? No. Yeah, or just friends or family? Does family do that now? Um, I think you always get that just from people. You'll get them. The most common thing is you should put that in your act, or mm-hmm. people always want to talk to you about comedy. It's pretty annoying, but. You get used to it, and I've gotten good at just deflecting things I don't want to talk about, or I'm good at, I'll do, like, a really quick answer, and then I'll immediately ask them something about what they do, or, because I just don't want to talk about it. But sometimes I'm nice, like, if an Uber driver's like, oh, you're a comedian, but usually you want to just lie. Yeah. But you get recognized, right? Because when you're on TV... Sometimes, not always. No, see... I, that's one of the other intimidating things because you know, like once a lot of comedians jump to TV, they're really they're harder to talk to. <laughs> I was like, huh. And then I feel like I am obnoxious and annoy people anyway. So when I'm like, hey, I have a podcast where I massage you, I'll be really nice, please. And then I want to run away. <laughs> like I'm not kidding. When I saw how the parking structure was so fucked up, I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna hate me. Oh, he's he's gonna hate me, and I it's okay. So. I'm kind of like that, too, because I was a door guy, and so I still am scared of guys. Yeah. yeah. I'm, scared, I'm scared of comedians. How long were you no a door guy? Um, three years? Sounds right. Did yeah. Did you 
After you got passed, did you quit or did you stay for a while? No, I uh, I quit immediately because I don't want to be that guy. Uh huh. It's <laughs> funny. And then what was next after you were passed? I was a real estate agent for like a year, and then I got a writing job on Jeff Ross's show, so I quit my real estate job, and I haven't had a square job since. Oh, that's awesome. Was real estate your only normal job? Um, sort of. I mean, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I worked for my family, and then I worked at the store, and then, yeah, I was a real estate agent, and then that was it, yeah. Now, when did you know, like, comedy was in your blood? Like, when did you... Okay, I want to try this. Or was it a try this or a do this or this is what it's going to be? Um, I think my whole life I didn't want to do something square. And I, I really liked music a lot. And then I don't think I picked up a guitar early enough, and I'm a really slow learner. So when I was, like, 18 in college trying to figure myself out, I would I did some music open mics, and I didn't feel like I was really good. And, and then I started doing comedy ones, and I felt like I was getting a better response. And I was a little more confident about it. Where'd you go to college? I went to the University of Arizona, and then I went to a school in New York called Marymount. What did you graduate with? Communication arts. Okay. Sorry. I you laughing at my major? No, I found this knot in your shoulder and then just. <laughs> it's okay. It's I a have joke a major. Question. Yeah. <laughs> Cassandra Cass, for you <laughs> podcast listeners, we are yeah. back at her house. Um, so, who are some of the comedians that you just idolized growing up? Who are some of the people that formed your opinion on comedy? Um, a lot. I, I, I watched really early. So when I was really young, there was a lot of Gallagher on TV. So I'd say young, I really liked Gallagher. And then by, I think it must have been junior high or, yeah, I think it was junior high. Uh, Comedy Central was on TV. So it wasn't, at that point, it wasn't even like who was my favorite. They would, they would showcase so many young comics. So that's where I got introduced to like Jeff Ross, Dave Attell, Sarah Silverman, Dave Chappelle. There were so many of them. Like, I loved Dr. Katz on Comedy Central, which was just a bunch of comedians. Um, Ray Romano. Uh, so I kind of give it a lot to Comedy Central at that age because there was just so much comedy. Right. And it wasn't even, like, anyone specific. It was just, like, I loved comedy. And then when I was in college, I was really inspired by Bill Hicks, and he was part of the reason I'd say I started doing comedy because him... Yeah, I'd say him got me to start, and then when I was in New York, once I left Arizona, I was probably, like, 21. There was a really good uh, year for HBO specials. It was Louis C.K., Jim Norton, Bill Burr, Patrice O'Neill, Flight of the Concords, Bonnie McFarlane, Kevin Brennan. Um, I'm probably forgetting someone, but I remember, like, watching that and being like, because Bill Hicks was dead already, and I was like, oh, cool, and cool comedy doesn't exist anymore, I'm sure. And then after I saw all those guys, I'm probably forgetting some, but it was just an amazing year of stand-ups and uh, stand-up specials. And then that was when I started going to watch comics at The Cellar and started doing open mics in New York, and that was when I decided once I finished college I wanted to do stand-up. Now, who's your inspiration now, or who do you feel is underrated in the comedy world right now? Um, I don't know. I have a lot of inspiration. I watch a lot of specials. I'd say I watch almost every special and give most of them a fair shake. And if I like them, I will watch them like over and over and over again. So I really study a lot. I think it helps me more than anything else is studying comics, which I know sounds like I'm stealing, but I swear I'm not. But no. I think mostly I study just the way they get the laugh, the way they organize their content, uh, stuff like that. I think 
-hmm. The more I study that, the more second nature it becomes in my own head. I study more of the word, like how the words are put. Like I talk, I put in more words than I need to and just watching them and having these punchlines and these jokes where it's just no fat whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, that to me is the most impressive thing. So I really listen to what they're saying. I'm like, okay, okay, they took that word out. Or if I would have done the joke, I would have said it like this. So I need to figure out how to get rid of these 20,000 words that they have in five. Yeah, I, I really like jokes. And so that was another inspiration when I was little. I really liked uh, David Letterman top 10 list. And I used to buy all the books when I was like mm-hmm. a little kid. Um, and so when I got my first writing job, on the first day, I numbered all my jokes because I was just so used to reading them out of top 10 list books my whole life. Like, I didn't, there was never any other written medium of jokes that I knew so well. So I remember I was embarrassed my first day because they're like, Why are you ranking your jokes? <laughs> and I was like, Oh, right. Like, it was just this thing I had in my head. And so, yeah, I obviously never did that again. <laughs> well, because this is how it's supposed to be. But I learned a lot in joke writing jobs about, you know, economy of words and. Mm-hmm. the different ways to tell a joke. Would you want to write for, like, a late-night talk show? Um, I would, yeah. I, I've i had s- similar gigs where it is joke writing, but I haven't worked on a late-night show necessarily, like a Tonight Show or a Late Show. But I would. It's just you got to write a whole packet. It's really competitive. Uh, it's really time-demanding. But I'm kind of, like I said earlier, I, I sort of put my attention in one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can... I'm not the type of person who can do stand-up and on the back burner try to get a writing job on a late-night show. I'm sort of got to pick my priorities, and I feel like because of the TV show for the last like year and a half, that's sort of been a priority over everything. And for the first time in a while, I get to make stand-up a priority, and I just don't want to not do that because it's, it's, it's making me happy. No, I get it. So did you like put stand-up on the back burner when you were doing the TV show? I mean, I did and I did and I still did it because I didn't want to lose my ability to do it, but I was probably only doing it once a week and I wasn't really writing new jokes at all. So that's just kind of like, yeah, I just, there's something about my brain where I really need to really, really care about something for it to work. And so it wasn't like my standup was terrible during the course of that time, but I just wasn't writing or anything. So it just, I wasn't, I didn't have my, my heart, mind. Yeah, I just, I really throw everything at that one thing when I like it. And okay. So I think that's just what's required out of me because I'm lazy and stupid. No, but I mean, that's one of the biggest battles too is figuring out how you are as a person, you know? Yeah, because there's just people out there who can do a million things at once and do them well and are prolific and whatnot. And you can make yourself feel bad that you're not that person if you're not, or you can beat yourself up every day to try to be that person, but... I don't think I am that person, and that's okay. I don't want to, like, be hard on myself about it. Yeah, and I think that's a very intelligent approach, is just being like, hey, this is me. I know how I work. I know what gets the best out of me. So, obviously, you doing 100% of one thing is getting 100% of what you need. Yeah. So, no, I think that's a very intelligent thing. And I like to tell people, like, every body is different. So if you can figure out what makes you click and stop listening to everyone else, one of these days I'm going to take my own advice, you know, I think that's a good way of approaching life is figuring out like, okay, this is me. So you're going to do stand-up for a while? Are you going to try and do another TV series? Well, that's the thing. I think a lot of people in my situation would be doing that, trying to get another TV show, but... 
just don't think that's where my heart is right now. And I know if I was a little less lazy or a little more like successful people are, I could do two things at once or three things at once. But for now, I just, I've never headlined before and I have to do it for the first time over the next couple months and I just don't really want to freak myself out anymore. It's freaking exciting though. Like that's a huge deal too, is you're headlining. Yeah, I'm really excited. And you should be. That's awesome. Now you can see you've got knots over here too. Am I? Are you okay? I guess I should have asked like a while ago. Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> so I started digging in. I started finding knots on you, and I'm like, okay, we're gonna get rid of these. So what's dating? Because like for a comedian, what is that like? What is dating like yeah, for a comedian? I mean, is that difficult? The late nights. I mean, tell us about like your personal life. Well, the thing with dating is, like, I can't speak for every comedian. There's some comedians who are single their whole lives, and there's some who are married with families. Um, uh, I'm, I'm single right now. Uh, I don't think stand-up necessarily affects my dating in terms of scheduling. But, yeah, I'm pretty single. Pretty single. <laughs> now, have you, like, have you noticed more people approach you now that you've been on TV? For dates or just in general? In general or for dates whenever. Um, maybe a little bit, yeah, but it doesn't, I don't feel like I'm in like a different stratosphere of potential, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I was dating female Shreks and now I'm dating <laughs> supermodels or something. But, uh, I, I think it must, yeah, just, but I don't know. Have you seen, like, a different reaction when you get on stage? No, because I don't think the show's that popular. I mean, there's definitely a lot of... Before I wasn't... Like like you said, it's like I'm on TV, so... Like, now I meet people who like the show, and there are a few people in the audience who know who I am, but it's not like I'm famous and most of the audience knows who I am, or a, a large amount of them usually know who I am, even. See, I can see the show being almost like a cult classic, where it's gonna hit later. Yeah, I hope so. That's I hope so, too. Because it's one of those shows... Like, like, I've watched it, and it's just, it's your humor, which cracks me up. And it's just so silly, but dry at the same time, that I could see it becoming, like, a cult classic, where people start, you know, late, like, binge-watching it, because I know that's the new thing, too. Yeah, I hope so, because, you know, uh, I don't think there were there are many shows like it. No. And so, yeah, you hope that maybe that'll give it some sort of legs in the future. Now, you, were you a part of, like, writing it, or did you? Yeah. Yeah. Esther and I made a short film years ago, and then that, like, sort of helped us get the show, and the short film was sort of, like, a proof of concept of what we thought a show about us would be. I loved watching the show and seeing know, the characters that you would give different people from the store. Is that, like, the Bobby Lee character with the, the fish store? Yeah, Bobby's great. Bobby got me hired at the store. It was really cool to work with him in that situation. It was sort of surreal. Bobby got a lot of people hired at the store. <laughs> yeah, Bobby really helped me a lot when I was younger. Because I listened to the Comedy Store podcast, which is why I try and stay away from you know a lot of the store questions, because I feel like they've already been asked and answered, answered on the Comedy Store, and I just don't want to repeat podcasts. But if you listen to the Comedy Store podcast, a lot of the comedians are like, yeah, Bobby Lee got me in. Bobby Lee got me in. Yeah, I mean, he's sort of just a really good person and is always mindful of how to give back or how to be a good person and and so yeah i guess i got i'm lucky that he helped me so you came up with esther mostly yeah i was a door guy there and esther was there i think she probably got there like a year later so i was like a door guy with like matt edgar and tony hinchcliffe and francisco and dan madonia so you were around when tony and esther were dating oh yeah 
I was. Was it crazy? Like, not just Tony, but all of them. Because I feel like at the store, it's very incestuous. Like, everybody's inside everyone else. Yeah, I think when I was younger, you're more loose, I guess, and that is more likely to happen. But now that I'm older, I'm a lot more careful about that. I'm not trying to sleep with people I'm going to see all the time at a comedy club, and you don't, I don't want any weird feelings. I, I have, like, a, I did enough of that when I was a door guy there, and so I tried to grow out of it a little bit. <laughs> You, craziest hookup you've seen between comedians? You don't have to use names. Drama. Craziest hookup? Did you say that? Because sometimes people feel weird about it and they don't tell a good story. Ha! <laughs> um, you, you can tell us that. names after. <laughs> um, like most surprising, you mean? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's hard to say uh, between two comics. Mm-hmm. It was mostly just, like, gnarly when we first got there. Like, people would find dark corners and just, like, have sex and stuff, so... Yeah. Or, like, the phone's room, people would have sex in there and jerk off in there and stuff, so, like... Um, oh, yeah. It was just yeah, wild like, back then, so I couldn't really pick, like, one thing because... I get it. There was, like, stories of threesomes and blowjobs on stage and... <laughs> it was just a lot of crazy stuff. Managers having sex on stage. Yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff happened. So, yeah, I've seen... I was there the night people had blowjobs on stage and... Oh, you yeah. <laughs> that was Ari Shafir and... Dan. Yeah. <laughs> Were you there the night that Don Barris showed his penis and Rick Ingram's friend had a, like, seizure? No. <laughs> but that was regular. Ari used to take his balls out all the time. Earl Earl would do his uh, Silence of the Lambs thing. It was just like every every night, girls would take their tits out all the time. It was just different then, so it's hard to say, like, what's that one crazy thing? It's like, it was just... Yeah. yeah, there was, like, gambling fist fights, people having sex. It was crazy. No, it's not like that. I don't know. I've seen some, in the Ding Dong show, I've seen some crazy stuff. Yeah. Like, I've seen Schizo Surfer's 10-pound ball. Uh, so many times. Oh, I saw Schizo Surfer once go on stage. We convinced him to only wear a fanny pack. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just him in a fanny pack. And, like, you could tell, like, 10 seconds in, he was, like, the look on his face was like, I think I regret this. <laughs> I have, in my phone right now, I have a picture of Schizo Surfer's Ball. Oh, I... With Stasha Patwell next, like, her having her face next to it so we could have a compare, a size comparison. Oh, no. Jeez. I haven't seen her in a while. Really? Yeah. I don't know why after that. Ari would just put his balls on your shoulder. As, like, a joke, you'd be sitting around and he'd, like, all of a sudden, there'd be his balls would be on your shoulder. The shoulder I'm massaging right now. I don't know if I ever got bald by him. I think I may have. But I don't have the like specific memory. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't debate it if someone's like, "I was there the night Ari put his balls on you." I'd be like, "Okay, I believe it," but I just don't remember. Now, what about like female comedians? Were they like throwing things out? Uh, were female comedians like getting sexual at the comedy store? You mean like on stage throwing their tits? Not really. Not really. I don't think I've seen a female comic. Do that jokingly, no. The female body's sacred. The male body's gross and funny. <laughs> I think it's also so hard sometimes for us to establish, like, dominance on stage that showing our tits kind of takes that away. Plus, they're all strapped in. It does take a minute or two to, like, finagle a nipple out. <laughs> I mean, unless you're me, and then Spoken I just show my knee. as the big-chested woman. <clears throat> right I tried to do this joke once where I put... Oh my god, this is so embarrassing to say out loud. I would, 
So I was trying to do a joke about how if you're ever in a public restroom, you can take your T-shirt and then put your junk in your T-shirt to prevent it from falling in the toilet. And then, and so I, I did that on stage, and I would, like, turn around and put my balls and dick in my T-shirt and then show people. Which you, and you could kind of see the silhouette of it through the T-shirt, but not really. But I never really found the joke, so I stopped doing it. But that was just different then because I thought Ari was so funny. I'm like, well, Ari has a joke where he takes his balls out. Certainly I can have something like that too. And then I was like, nope. Yeah. That's Ari's and Ari's alone. Yeah. How many times did you do it? That joke? I don't know. An embarrassing amount, I'm sure. (laughs) It's fun. It's just finding your way. Yeah, I definitely have failed and, and tried things and looked stupid for a long time. All right. So how do you feel? I feel good. How do you feel? I feel good. I feel like my voice gets nasal in this position. Yes. So your blood goes three times faster than normal when you get a massage because it's collecting all of the stuff I'm pushing out and putting it in your lymphatic system. Mm -hmm. So your lymphatic system is draining right now. So that means I actually did something right and you're just going to want to drink water to flush all that out. Okay. So there goes the nerdiness. Now, is there anything you want to plug, like your headlining shows? You are... January 23rd, I'll be at Caroline's in New York City. And then in February, I'll be at Zany's in Chicago and the DC Improv. Perfect. And social media? At Benji Aflalo on Instagram and Twitter. Ta-da. All right. That's it? That's it. Thank you. You survived. See, it wasn't too awkward, right? No, it wasn't. All right, guys, that was the episode with Benji Aflalo. I hope you enjoyed it. Please like, subscribe, comment. We need all of those, and we deeply, deeply appreciate any of them. Uh, you can also, and iTunes, we really need some likes and subscribes and some comments. So anything like that you guys can do would be fucking awesome. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. And if you want to sponsor us or anything like that, please send us an email at joyshappyendings at gmail.com. Have a good day.